need 100% involvement. We need 100% engagement. The truth is, is that restricting late-term abortion is absolutely nonpartisan. And people are getting out to vote this year. They're going to vote for president. And so we need to be out there advocating with our friends, with our colleagues, with our acquaintances. We need to be having this conversation. Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our special guest is Nicole Hunt. She's the spokesmom for Help Mom Save Baby. Nicole is a wife, a mother of four, an attorney. She lives in Colorado with her family and is passionate about helping moms and saving babies. It is something that I am very, very passionate about. And that's what I was going to ask you. What, you know, where does that passion come from? Yeah, well, we, um, we have our own personal story of, of having a child extremely premature. About 11 years ago, um, I was pregnant with my first child, and I developed this life-threatening condition known as preeclampsia. At the time, I was only 27 weeks pregnant with my daughter, Taylor. And, uh, you know, we were thrown, you know, into the deep end and had to learn really quickly what it means to, you know, be advocates for your child in the NICU and to be able to fight for, um, for the right for your baby to live. Well, before that happened to you, were you, was that even on your radar? I mean, had you even been aware that, wow, you know, you know, people have to struggle with premature births or was that something that just kind of came upon you and you're like, wow, this is, this is a much bigger issue than I thought it was. Yeah, I think that um, prior to that, I, I had been pro-life, but I don't think that I had taken for granted that my child was going to be able to be healthy and stay in my womb all 40 weeks. And that when the time came, I would have her and I would even get straight back to work because I was working full time at the time and uh, going to school at night, going to law school at night. And um, it definitely rocked my world. I wasn't expecting the, the journey um, of having a premature baby or my own health complications, honestly. Um, everything got put on hold in our life so that we could get healthy, I could get healthy again, and that we could um, we could spend time with our daughter in the NICU. So it was um, it was completely unexpected. And you know, just for people who are listening, I know uh, you know Proposition One Twenty. We went through the position, uh, petition process and got that on the ballot. Uh, in all likelihood, it's going to be called Proposition One Fifteen. Uh, we'll know officially, I think, in early September. But that's pretty much what everybody's uh, counting on. So just so people know, uh, you know, one of the things regarding the proposition uh, and to end late-term abortion from twenty-two weeks and beyond is the health of the mother. Right, that's the exception. But your health was in grave jeopardy and we don't abort the child. We just deliver the child and give, gave her a chance to live. Right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. And in my case, um, one of the things that was necessary for my body to recover and for my organs to begin working properly again was immediate delivery of the baby. Um, for whatever reason with that particular disease, the baby's got to get out. ASAP. Um, and turns out because of the pregnancy complications, um, my baby was actually growth restricted. So she was the age of a 27 week baby, but she came out weighing one pound, nine ounces. She was the size of a 24 weeker and she was immediately admitted to the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit 
where she lived for the first three months of her life. Um, you know, thankfully for me, um, once she was delivered, my health began to improve. My organs began working properly again. Um, but Taylor, she was in the hospital for 94 days before she was able to come home with us. And there were a lot of days that were hard days, um, days that were setbacks. But man, she was one pound, nine ounces of fighter. And her will to live was um, was very, very strong. And she fought every single day in that NICU. She fought and she wanted to live. You could tell she was um, she was vigorous as a baby and as a as a Nick in that little incubator, she was fighting to live. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things people need to remember when they say the exception of the mother, look, having an abortion is so it, it, the trauma on the woman just for the procedure itself is huge. You would not have had time to go through that one, first of all, that horrific trauma and the length of time it takes to do that. So delivering the baby was the humane way to go, right? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, in this case, you know, there was the possibility. We were past the point of viability, which is the, the time in which a child can live outside the womb. And the goal, my goal, the doctor's goal, all of us, was that we want to help mom and we want to save this baby. And it was that there are two vibes on the line and we need to prioritize both of them. Right. I mean, when you walked into the doctor for the first time when you were pregnant, two patients walked in, right? It just wasn't one. Yeah, absolutely. And, two heartbeats. Yeah. The same body. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you knew you were talking about how much of a fighter she was, you know, Taylor was and is, I'm sure. <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how much she wanted to live. Think about all, you know, those hundreds of babies a year in Colorado who in the same boat like her don't even get that chance. I mean, and that's really what we're fighting for, right? We're fighting for those children, 22 weeks and beyond, who, uh, if born, would have a great chance of living. I, I saw something the other day that 64% of babies born at 22 weeks uh, actually survive. I think it was a, a survey or a thing done out of uh, Iowa. I can't remember where it came from. Uh Mm -hmm. But I mean, the chances of survival are great and they only keep getting better. No, that's right. Um, I mean, it, it truly saddens my heart to think that there are women who are pregnant today with, <clears throat> with children that can live um, outside of their womb and that instead of seeking the opportunity for that child to lot, to live and to thrive, um, that they feel that the, the only choice is to seek an abortion. I am completely empathetic to the circumstances that could lead them to the brink of that choice. But there is a better way. And scientific, scientific advancements in neonatal care are so shocking to see what can be done. You know, when Taylor was born 11 years ago, viability was at 24 weeks. And with the type of advancements that are being made in neonatal care, to think that 64% of babies born at 22 weeks can survive is just a miracle. Truly, it's a medical miracle. And that number jumps to 82% survival rate at 23 weeks, just one week later. So what we're seeing is that these scientific advancements are demonstrating that children can live sooner outside of the womb and we need to give them the chance. 
Yeah. You know, one of the things that Planned Parenthood does that, that, that really, uh, I think is disconcerting is that they say, they keep using the word women, right? Women, this women, this, if you're pregnant, when you were pregnant with your first child, when you were pregnant with Taylor, didn't you consider yourself a mom? That's right. So I celebrated Mother's Day. Right. I mean, you're, you're a mom at that <laughs> Even point. Even before she was born. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you have your child is within you. It's, well, well, the child will never get any closer to you than that. And, to, right. you know, to say it's women and children when it's a mom and a baby, uh, they, they like to separate the two. Like, it's almost like the mom and then there's this alien force that 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 they have to deal with when this is we're talking about moms when you became pregnant you were a mom when taylor was born you were a mom you're a mom today i mean that's that's got to be a title that makes you proud and to say you're just a woman who was pregnant almost discounts the beauty of mom child relationship that's right and it's a special nurturing relationship i mean from the moment of conception your body is wired to nurture your baby. Even before you know your baby exists, you are nurturing it. And there's just a special bond that exists uh, between a mother and a child. And, um, and that starts before birth. It starts, it starts from the time that they're created. And you have three more bonds after Taylor, right? <laughs> That's right. We do. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have our oldest is our daughter, Taylor, and then three sons after that. <laughs> Oh, so she she better be feisty if she's going to put up with three brothers. I know how that works. <laughs> she is. <laughs> you know, you you know when we went through the petition process, um, you know, both times, one to get uh, the initial number, and then when we had to go back for the cure period, uh, I know you were out there collecting signatures, and one of the things that we found was this had broad based support. This just wasn't. Uh, people of faith. It just wasn't Republicans. We saw Democrats. We saw independents. We saw atheists. We saw different people from different backgrounds understanding that life is kind of preeminent and we need to do something here in Colorado that hasn't happened since 1967, which is to put some limits on abortion. What did you see when you were collecting signatures? What kind of things did you hear from people who were signing this? Were they excited to be able to sign this? They were. I mean, honestly, when I talked to a lot of people about why this ballot measure needed to be voted on, a lot of them were surprised, honestly, to even learn that there's no restriction on abortion in Colorado. And it's not the first time that people have been surprised to learn this. Um, earlier this year, when New York approved their abortion on demand at any point during a pregnancy, there were a lot of people around the country who felt uncomfortable, disturbed, I would even say, to hear the news. It was, for me, it was surreal to see individuals, you know, cheering and celebrating death. It just felt dark. Um, and when I talked to people in Colorado about the New York law, they, um, they were shocked to learn that unrestricted abortion has been the law here in Colorado for decades. So what I heard again when I was asking folks for their signature for the petition was shock once again, new people who were like, really, there's, there's no limits. You can up into the day before your baby's born, you could get an abortion for any reason. And, and I would say, yes. And, and there was just something you could tell that it just didn't sit right with them. And I talked to a lot of friends who um, are unaffiliated, not registered Republican or Democrat. And as we talked about it, they were like, well, that doesn't seem reasonable. 
that's kind of an unreasonable position. And that's what I heard a lot from people was that, you know, if, if science demonstrates that a child can live outside of the womb um, at a certain point, then we should provide the opportunity for that child to live outside the room rather than seeking abortion as the only alternative. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I, I heard the same thing, especially within the church, with clergy and different things like, oh, boy, I hope we don't get like that. I'm like, what do you mean? We were New York before New York became New York. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> right. how people just didn't know how horrific uh, our laws are when it comes to defending life here in Colorado. It's, you know, as you said, since 1967. That's a long time. We were kind of the flag bearers, unfortunately, of the abortion industry. And Planned Parenthood, NARAL, I mean, that whole gang is going to do whatever they can to perpetuate lies and to make up stories to try to make it sound like, you know, we don't care about women when, in fact, they don't care about women. I mean, it's it's. We know the tactics that are going to be coming. We've seen it at the Capitol. We know what they're doing. But in the end, to really, truly love mom and love baby is to support mom and support baby, not to separate the two. Right. I think that opponents are really being unreasonable when they portray you know, a ban on late-term abortion as an effort to try to control women's bodies or, or try to limit their reproductive freedom. That's just not true. At that point, you have two bodies that can live apart from each other with medical help. And, um, and it's about a human right. It's about the human right of both the mother and the child. And uh, it's not about reproductive rights. Well, and to think about it, I mean, to treat fertility basically as a disease and not only that, a profit-making disease. And let's be honest, right? They make more – the later the abortion, the more money the abortionist makes. So to think that they're altruistic and they really care about mom and they care about baby, when a mar large majority of their profits come from separating mom from baby and killing baby, it's really hypocritical for them to come out and pretend to care about women – when in the end, they don't care about women, they care about profits. It is a business for them. And I think that the voters, Colorado voters, need to keep that in mind. What they're really doing is advocating for their business interests. And I don't think that they're keeping the interests of mom and baby at the center of this, which it should be. Well, and it's so critical. That's why I think having someone like yourself as the spokesperson who's gone through uh, that challenging time. And, and let's be honest, it was probably scary for you, right? One for your own health and then for your baby, everything's going along. And the next thing you know, you get some really difficult news, but you handled it in a way that, you know, defended life, gave your daughter an opportunity for life that she, you know, grasped that and, and is flourishing today. You know, each mom has that opportunity, no matter how difficult the situation. What was your reaction when you heard from the doctor, wow, your life is at stake and the life of your baby? It was very scary. Um, it's, a, it's not something that you expect. And all of a sudden, you're faced with a reality that you didn't plan for. And you're scared about what the future will look like. And for us, all we knew was that 
we needed to do everything we could do to try to save our baby. And we needed to try to get me to the point of um, being healthy again and, you know, being able to, to live, to raise our daughter. And so we, you know, followed the advice of our doctors. And thankfully, we had doctors who were proponents of saving both of us. And I know, you know, not everyone does. But preeminent to us was saving her life and trying to save mine, too. And that was that was what we were focusing on. And, and truth is, as um, as we decided about having children in the future, our doctors told us there's a at least a 50 percent chance or higher that you will have this condition again. And you may also have to have another premature baby. And you need to, you know, know going in that that's a possibility. And, um, and that did not stop us. We knew that we were, we were called to have more children. And um, that was a reality that we knew going in with the next three pregnancies. And so we made sure that, you know, we were in a place where we knew that if that happened, we would be on that road again. But we would absolutely choose, um, choose life over death. And that we wanted to be able to um, to raise our children and see them grow up. You know, that's a really good point. And, and I'm guessing that even though they gave you a better than 50% odds of that happening, it didn't happen with the other three, did it? It did not. No, and so, I was able to yeah. have full-term pregnancies. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's another point. Look, doctors aren't gods, right? They They aren't omnipotent. They can't see the future and know what's going on. They can tell you what they expect or what what might happen. Uh, but that's why you can't rely on them. I mean, you people in your, sh- you know, uh, you and your husband and people in your shoes could have easily, and I bet happens every day, oh, we're not going to have any more children because we can't take that chance again. When you know what? It didn't happen. It's kind of God's will. And and for us to all of a sudden play God and decide, you know, whether life should come into this world or not, based on a prediction uh, from somebody who doesn't, you know, they're using their best guess, but it's a best guess. And that how empty would your lives be without those three boys, right? I mean, you'd probably, you know, you're, you're not going to get gray. You'd get gray hair a lot later without them. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) No, I I can't imagine our life without them. And I'm so glad that I didn't follow the, I mean, in fact, I even had doctors telling me because, because our, our first two were, um, C-sections were required. There was no going back after that. And, you know, they even said, you know, you've had so many C-sections recently that I had, we had all four of our children in four years. So we had them real quick back to back. Right. They said, you know, you shouldn't have any more children. Um, we don't, we don't think that it's safe for you to have any more C-sections because of the, the healing and the scarring that's taking place and stretching so soon. I mean, so if it were up to the doctors, we'd only have three children and not four. So I think at the end of the day, you know, you really have to follow, um, follow where you feel like God's calling you and your family and, and be faithful to that and know that, that God's going to be faithful to meet you and your story. However, it turns out, whatever it looks like, that he's going to meet you there and he's going to be with you in the highs and the lows. And I know for us in the NICU and on our journey with my own health in that circumstance during our pregnancy, um, he was with us in the highs and the lows. And it certainly made the highs all that much better and it made the lows bearable. Um, But at the end of the day, 
um, we knew that it was something that we felt called to do to have these children. And, and we were grateful that we followed our, our own convictions rather than, um, than those of the doctor. Well, you know, you just wonder since 1967 and probably before that, but at least since 1967, how many Nicoles are out there that their life was threatened. They let a doctor turn, talk them into terminating the pregnancy, killing the child. And then they never had other children again. I mean, you have four beautiful children, a great family, because of your faith and your knowledge that life is should be defended at all costs. Imagine a young Nicole now who gets talked into doing the opposite, and they end up with nothing, right? They end up with no children. They end up with this despair. I mean, so when we vote to end late-term abortion on November 3rd, we're voting to support that woman so she doesn't have years of what ifs or misery or depression or all those things that can come with somebody who's made uh, a decision to end the life of their child. I mean, really, this is this is the ultimate in compassion, isn't it? I think so. I mean, we um, there's a lot of regret that women who who do end up getting abortions feel in the long run. Um, that might not be immediate, but over time and, and with the years, um, the regret and the pain um, is something that's real. And it's something that, you know, Planned Parenthood doesn't calculate in their business model because it doesn't affect their bottom line. But it does affect the long-term emotional and mental health of women all across this country. And I think it's something that Colorado voters need to keep in mind that, that this abortion ban on late-term abortion does protect mothers and it does protect babies and it's something that we can all get behind you know one of the things that you know and there's and there's polls out there i know that uh you know gallup polls been polling for years and a majority of americans believe that there should be some restrictions on abortion i think colorado is one of eight states or something like that that has no restrictions on abortion um but people you can't get caught up in polls because questions could be asked in ways to get answers that people desire. And I think, you know, for anybody who, who looks at polls or does their own polling uh, and decides, you know what, I'm not going to support this because it can't win, is you're, you've, you've missed the boat. Because if the Lord wants this to happen, it'll happen. And we need to make sure that we don't get sidetracked by polls, pro or con, because if it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. I mean, defending life, you're never going to go wrong. But if you find you can come up with, you know, 10 reasons to Sunday, why not to defend it? And this is an opportunity in a state that is very liberal and doesn't really defend life, really is really looking at uh, destroying life for a profit and politicians are have no problem getting paid to say that. And the other deal is if they didn't get paid, they wouldn't say that. But that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it really is important for people to get out, to tell their friends, to promote life and not get hung up on the polls, even though we have polls for 30 years that say people want a restriction. Don't you think people just need to, you know, they need to get out support this, make this a grassroots effort, and really just kind of shock 
the the establishment who thinks uh, this this doesn't have a chance. Absolutely. We need 100% involvement. We need 100% engagement. The truth is, is that restricting late-term abortion is absolutely nonpartisan. And people are getting out to vote this year. They're going to vote for president. And so we need to be out there advocating with our friends, with our colleagues, with our acquaintances. We need to be having this conversation. The truth is, is that life does matter. And whether it's baby's life or mom's life, we're talking about eternal souls here. And this type of work is the type of work that redeems people. It's promoting a culture of life. Gallup poll says that more than 80% of the people say that there should be some kind of restriction. I think that that's a conversation starter right there. Hey, did you know that a lot of Americans believe that there should be a res- some kind of a restriction to late term to abortion? What do you think? And ask people or some kind of a, a restriction to, um, to late term abortions. And that's a conversation starter. So I do think that, that the more that we engage on the topic, the more it shifts the conversation. So I would encourage everyone to get out there and to have conversations in addition to voting. Right. You're right. So, you know, we're not going to tell you who to vote for. I mean, you know, everybody has to go to their conscience. You know, there are moral foundations, life, marriage, religious liberty, those type of things that, you know, should guide everybody's vote. But, you know, if somebody's voting for John Hickenlooper or Cory Gardner or Joe Biden or Donald Trump, uh, everybody should vote to end late-term abortion. So it doesn't matter what party you are, who you're voting for. It's a common sense issue. You're voting to help mom and to save the baby. And, you know, Nicole is going to be out there talking and really being the face of this initiative because has you've had to make hard decisions. You've lived it. You've, you know, you're, you have a beautiful family that if you didn't, you wouldn't have. I certainly do hope that moms across the state will be asking questions, will be starting conversations, and will be engaging in, in these discussions because they matter as moms. They matter um, to our kids, the kind of society that we're raising them in, and they matter in the long run to um, to their families and to the families that come after them. We want to be promoting um, a culture of life here in Colorado. And I think that we do that by, by engaging on these conversations and by supporting measures that, um, that protect life, protecting the life of the mother and the child. Well, so if people want to follow uh, what Nicole's doing, follow her writings, following what she has to say, and learn more about her story, you can go to helpmomsavebaby.com. 